0: Hey, good morning everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I hope that uh, whenever you tune into this program, either live or watching later, that you find encouragement. I hope that you're inspired. I hope that you hear good news or more hope-filled perspective on the topics we tend to talk about. Before I uh, get into today's topic, I want to uh, give a shout out to my friend who has just passed away, Paul Gray. Paul Gray. Paul Gray has been part of our program uh, since I began doing this Still Growing Grace. Um, he's become a really good friend over the years. Uh, recently, he uh, ended up in hospital with some lung issues and suddenly passed away. And so my heart goes out to Kitsy, his wife, and, and the hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people that have gotten to know Paul, who to me emulated grace personified, Jesus Personified, and uh, man, I'm gonna miss him. I had really hoped to have him part of our our next conference. In fact, the next two conferences that we're going to be that are in the plans, and uh, it, it's just it's just heart wrenching because he was just somebody I could go to for a quick conversation. Hey, what about this? What about that? Um, what do you think? Or hey, I'm having a rotten day. It's okay, Mike. The light of Christ is in you. <laughs> and he wasn't. Goofy, he was real. So everything about him was authentic. And so he wasn't just, you know, putting up a story or giving you a line. When he gave you encouragement, it was real. So I like that. I don't like canned encouragement. I can't stand it. Throw a Bible verse at you here and assume that that is encouraging people. It's not. Um, The heart, the relationship, that's what does it. So, uh, gonna miss you, Paul. And uh, I think Kitsy posted on I'm, I'm not sure where, either on his personal or the um, Paul Gray grace to all. Um, but there's an obituary listing there and you you can go and take a look and leave a condolence if you knew him and were encouraged at all by him, leave a condolence there. I think his uh, celebration of life is going to be October 15th, That's if I, if I remember correctly. All right, today, um, the last couple of weeks I've had uh, Richard Murray uh, on because Bill wasn't available. And uh, we've done some conversations on evangelism, on the idea of Mars Hill and Paul talking to people who don't believe in God, and in fact, they believe in many gods, and how he addressed uh, the topic of this unknown God without lambasting everybody else for their faulty beliefs. It just wasn't—it wasn't the you know hammer over the head. You're wrong. I'm right. He came at this with a totally more beautiful perspective, and the last couple of weeks recording these sessions really helps me see that and how important it is for us as believers to rethink this evangelism thing. I think there's a ton of myths surrounding it, which includes the word saved and salvation and what it could mean. So today's and next week is the last one we're doing on this topic. We're going to dive into this. What does um, sharing our faith mean in a more loving way? Um, What about this word saved and why are we having a hard time with it? And I think... When we understand there's a faulty understanding of what this word or these words mean that causes really unhealthy uh, understandings of evangelism and adding fear into people's lives. I think you're going to love this conversation. So today it's Richard and Bill together with me as we have this conversation. Just join in and enjoy. I'm watching live and listening live with you right now. And so uh, I, I the last time I heard this conversation was when we recorded it. So it's going to be fresh. It always is. So I think you're going to love it. Here we go. All right. It's been a while since the three of us have been together. Summer's been busy. So huh, yay. We finally get to have a conversation and uh, continue some of our other conversations. So thanks for being here, Bill and Richard. Welcome. Hello.
1: Hey.
0: Remind us what cities you're in.
1: Uh, I'm outside
2: of Atlanta. Oh, sorry. We both waited on each other. I'm outside Atlanta, Metro Atlanta. Um, I live in Woodstock, Georgia. Okay.
1: And I'm in a city not built with hands. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Trying to be spiritual. Uh, no, I'm in Dalton, and it is built with hands.
0: <laughs> yep, and where's Dalton?
1: Uh, Dalton is about 20 minutes south of Chattanooga. It's over the Georgia line, so I'm technically in Georgia, but I hang out and live out in Chattanooga. That's uh, my
2: thing cities all right sometimes so i'm trying to
1: come. Y'all come there someday both either both uh, that would do, it's a tons of stuff to see good it's
0: black. i gotta figure out how, how many hours it takes to drive because uh, i would probably drive down unless it's a cheap flight somewhere so I
1: mean, who
0: knows well, those don't exist yeah.
1: right
2: now what's that uh, those cheap flights don't exist right now
0: <laughs> no it's not still not a good time um last the last two conversations uh, uh richard and i had we were talking about this idea of I called it evangelism, but Richard was talking about the conversation uh, of the uh, that Paul had when he spoke in Mars Hill, when they saw an altar to an unknown God. Mm-hmm. And so that conversation was really good. I got some really positive feedback. Um, and I wanted to just keep going with that because the idea of the gospel, what is the gospel came into this? I thought, well, what, what would he have said? What would he have said the gospel is? And I, I thought, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, because there's a couple of spinoffs. And I know, Richard, you had an epiphany uh, story you want to tell us. So that's kind of where I'm hoping to go. And Bill, if you've got to leave, you got to leave. But, uh, man, uh, I, I think this could be a lot of fun.
1: Well, um, I was looking, uh, trying to find the particular passage that I was talking about. It's, it's in a, a book that I wrote called The Jesus Mood. And basically... I was I was uh, having a shower and uh, this just hit me when I get, I don't know about y'all but I get some of the best revelation ever when you're in the shower. Me uh, too. We, me too. That yeah, driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not in you there know. long enough. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like that some mornings. But some mornings, when you're taking your time, you start thinking about stuff and you're cleaning and you're getting clean on the inside and the outside. But anyhow, you know, to explain the gospel, you know, Jesus said the reason that He came and Luke four was to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, and, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, I mean, there's nothing but good news in that, which is obviously what gospel means. But what I what I saw the other day, particularly when we talk about things like universalism and things like that, is and, and grace, you know, there, all these streams of teaching um that that talk about it already being done the finished work of christ you know it is finished it's been done he won't do anything more to save you than he's already done so you know i've been thinking about how do we how do we make that a gospel because what you always hear is well if it's already been done why do we do, do anything let's just sit here and wait you know we're there you know but there was a something in the lord's prayer um that and, and, and in other places where Jesus talks about praying that heaven's will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Uh, and, in, and in fact, that passage where he says, Whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be having already been bound in heaven that's the Greek of that. It's, it's mistranslated a lot of places. But there seems to be a, a line of thought throughout stubborn line of thought throughout the Gospels that there, what is in heaven has been complete. That in heaven, everything has already been done, including our salvation, including our sanctification, including our glorification. Because think about this as a noodle baker. If we're outside of eternity, you know, I mean, if if we're uh, outside of eternity now, but when when we enter eternity into the fullness of eternity, then we've always already been. You know, we're there now. We're there having spiritual beers now together, all three of us. All right. I bet you'll be good. And yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you, but when you have that idea of it, then the concept is not that then the gospel becomes a revelation of that. It becomes a revelation of, uh, chains being set free. You've been all, all he is, he came to tell you, I've come to set you free. I have set you free. You are eternally set free. The question though, is when do we realize it? How do we recognize it? Hmm. You know, to recognize it and to realize it is to then that is the core of the gospel.
0: That activates that, it too, then, right?
1: That activates it's all a matter of activation. And what is it we're to pray every day that your will be done on earth as it's already been done in heaven? And and that was the epiphany that I had in the shower. Oh my God. Then that just means that we're here telling people, we're sharing a gospel, a completed gospel. You may, not, you may not feel saved. You may not even know what saved is. You may have no recognition that you're saved. But you know what? In heaven, you are saved. Mm-hmm. And as you accept this truth and let this truth percolate, and like that mustard seed, as you let it grow within you, then you become to see, you become the, to the realization of what you already are and what you already uh, have always been. And that that's putting the maximum impact on Jesus' salivic, sal- sal- is that how you say it? Work. <laughs> uh, but um, the uh, you know the idea that we're because anything more than that is a work we're preaching works you've got to do this you got to believe this exact thing right you, you know you've got to do this exact thing you've got to go through this protocol I don't know about you but every time someone gives me protocols spiritual protocols I just uh, I mean I just you just feel the spirit quench but then when the spirit's percolating in you you don't need protocols I mean, you know intuitively where goodness is, and 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 it's 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 a done deal. We're tapping into the done dealness of God. How about mm-hmm. that for a gospel definition? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the done dealness. But I, I got so excited about that because we often get criticized. Um, it, 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 well, with regard to salvation, universalism. Well, you know, why do we preach the gospel? Well, you know, why would she even preach it if we're already saved? Because you don't know you're saved. You already don't recognize you're saved how beautiful are the feet of the ones who share the gospel? Because we get to tell people what Jesus has already done. All right. We're not, we're not speaking from ourselves or of ourselves, but we're speaking from and of what he's done and what he's communicated through us, through our spirits. So I bet we, you, I'll
0: bet your motivation has something to do with it too, then.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And I mean, and who wouldn't, I mean, if, if, if Uh, But the whole point is the gospel that's being preached today is a gospel that you aren't saved. It's the gospel that you are saved. Yeah. You know, so we need to take that bull by the delicious horns and just say, yes, you are saved. I don't care how evil you appear. I don't care that you spit at Jesus with the last spittle, you know, on your last dying moment and your last dying day. You can, what's going to happen in eternity is that if you haven't, recognized you're so great a salvation then when you enter into eternity the Lord's going to take you on a walkabout that's what I've all I've called it that many times we call it's a cosmic walkabout he'll show you how you've been saved he'll show you where where you've been misguided and how you look the other way when he was trying to reach you and all the episodes we've had in our life it's going to be a glorious thing that's what my my experience at Toronto was like he took me on a little walkabout and showed me where he'd always been and that he'd always been there for me and nothing makes you feel better than when you truly discover that the Lord was with you the entire time in the very midst of your pain and torment. And it's just, it's just magnificent. And uh, so this gospel, I mean, I think we can polish, polished. Yeah, I don't want to polish it up too much. I don't know if you ever saw that old Andy Griffith episode where the guy that's everything he does is cursed. It's Barney's cousin, I think. And uh, so he's trying to really impress everybody. So he shines the keys to the, to the, to the gates, but he shines them so hard. He, he ruins them and they don't work in the lock anymore. So he, he thinks he's living under a curse, but you know, the whole thing is, is about to get it broken. But so what I'm saying is I don't want to polish the keys up too much with doctrine and with other things. This is more, we got to keep it a little, a little free flow in there and a little organic. I don't have all the answers to all the things of why things happen the way that I do, mm-hmm. but more and more, you can't deny that the salvation that Jesus taught. And the, the only thing he ever said is just believe it. When you believe it's just believing this re- this ready recognition, you know, submitting to it and then following the implications of it where it naturally causes you to want to grow like a plant leaning towards the sun. You know, once we receive that mustard seed and it grows, our whole posture starts leaning towards mm-hmm. that reality, you know, of, of the glorious gray. So I, I know I'm going on long, but I mean, that was the epiphany.
0: That's cool.
2: Bill. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the gospel, if you want to just kind of go as tight as you can, the good news. I mean, how would I describe it? How did Paul try to, what would Paul say? I think if if he had to summarize it, maybe this is oversimplification, but I, I, I'm not sure it is. Or at least the Pauline apostles who, who wrote Hebrews, um, uh, I think it's, I, I wrote down just five things here and this is the summary, like progressive summary, um, God. Okay. Define God just in the broadest sense, the creator of the cosmos who holds all things together. Right. We're good with that. Whatever you want to define, there's a the, whatever was the first cause for all that exists, that entity looks exactly like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, the. To take it one level beyond, what does Jesus in his essence or his simplicity most represent? Well, Jesus is a figure who shows us that God desires mercy over sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. What was Jesus' mission? You said it, Richard, but even just to simplify it one level, more le- layer, he came to save, sozos, we can talk about that, restore, find, bring home that which was lost. Hmm. jesus finished his mission completely Hmm. god looks exactly like jesus that's it that's the gospel in a nutshell like super super compact right and i don't know that there's anything inside of that that should give anyone sense of dread and only um inspire um hope and um those fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness,
0: gentleness, self-control. Amen. So Jesus didn't come to you know make you feel like crap and tell you how bad you are. <laughs> well though that you maybe listen to him?
2: I, I've I've read the gospels pretty thoroughly and I don't find Jesus making anyone who was quote unquote defined as a sinner feel like crap. The only people he seemed to Rebuke and kind of call out were the self-righteous people who made others feel that way.
0: So the good news then has to be good news, or it's not good news. I know that sounds simplistic. Not
2: good news for everybody, then it's not good news, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, You're right. But if we're if we're honest in the in the world I grew up in, it was only good news to the in group. To, to the said, well, what if you well, want to use that day. word? Right. Yeah. But people think like that. So why would people be so upset? With this idea of Jesus uh, has already done this. Because I think in my mind, there's three tenses of the word saved. There is the everyone is saved. There's there's evidence in scripture for that. There's evidence that all are being saved. And then there's another more evidence of all will be saved. So all three are equally true. And yet somebody wants to take one of them and just sit there.
2: And I'll even, I'll even spin it slightly different how I've described it. Um, I think there's three, especially when we're approaching Scripture, mm-hmm. three ways that salvation needs to be considered depending on the context that's being used specifically to Scripture. There is a literal salvation that occurred to a very specific group of people that has application scripturally, mm-hmm. that there were, according to even Josephus, a non-biblical scholar, who talked about that everyone who fled the city of Jerusalem literally had their life spared. (laughs) There was a literal saving that happened to a Jewish community who heard the words, of message. It wasn't
0: just physical. It wasn't just uh, spiritual. It was physical.
2: There were some physical applications to salvation, rescue, you know, that that were real for that generation of people um, and the Roman Empire and things going on. There is a subjective medium of salvation that we can still participate in today. Which is the recognition of what I just said that I no longer believe God looks like Molech or Ra or the Old Testament Jewish God, you know, who wants sacrifice over mercy. Um, now all of a sudden I flip the script and God looks like Jesus. And, and through that subjective revelation, I get to experience life through a much better filter. And then there's an objective salvation which is the finished work of Christ on the cross, which is, I think, what you're talking, Mike, that all will be saved, all all are saved, and all are being saved, right? So I think all, all three of yours are a very objective term, but there's a subjective element to this that I think confuses people, and that's probably the one that's the most challenging. And then the literal part, scripturally, I find interesting because so many of them, when you apply that to actually what's being said, you go, huh, that actually makes more sense a lot of times, just from a raw scriptural standpoint. For certain certain passages, you're like, maybe they were actually talking about not not perishing, which is again John three sixteen is in reference to not perishing. That we're not talking about eternal conscious conscious torment. I don't think in that sentence. I think Jesus is talking to a Pharisee, and he's kind of being really serious about what's going to happen, you know, in the wake of his. His death and the subsequent fall of, of the entire Jewish system within one generation of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's pretty Yeah, I think,
1: I think some of it too is, is uh, when we hear words like perish, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I operate out of a false identity. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not myself. And yeah. you know, sometimes it's at work, sometimes it's when I'm in wrathful, sometimes it's when I'm impatient and I'm in road rage or whatever you want to call it. I know that I have mindsets that are horrible, whether we want to call them demonic, whether we want to call them carnal, who cares what we call them? They are there, they are ugly, and they are not us. So when I, and I think a lot of people, someone who refuses to see, you know, refuses to hear the whispers of the spirit and to see the goodness that's all around, it's just pulsating if we have eyes to see. But when we don't have eyes to see, you know, Hebrews has this line, how shall we escape and the context of that is in, the, is in the evil of the evils of the world. How shall we escape if we neglect our so great a salvation? Hmm. So to me, that is the only sin that we all, and we might call whatever not a fake a sin. All that's talking about is tapping into eternity. When we tap into eternity and when we widen and we let eternity grow yeah. in us and we're already fully grown, some part of us is already fully grown. That's the real us. And to the extent that Jesus might ever imply that something perishes, it's that part of us that is false. It's the false idea, the false mass that's grafted itself falsely. It's an illegitimate branch that's going to be burned off. Praise God is going to be burned off. But you know what? It's, it's, it's preferable the sooner the better. That's why I tell anyone about the gospel. Why should you take the gospel if we're going to be saved ultimately? Well, the sooner the better, dear Lord. Who wouldn't want to know their eternal destiny and and, and feel the the limitless love of God at the highest gasoline percentage of purity that there is, the highest level of fuel there is? This Jesus is high-octane spirit. He is high-octane power, high-octane curative energy. Dynamo. Who wouldn't want to tap into that Rocky So yeah and, and, and what's even makes it more tragic in a way well I don't even want to lie them to like that not tragic but just unfortunate is that to know that because of your mindset your mindset is one that be- obstructs your recognition of your so great a salvation and you know it's a mindset it can be bitterness it, you know it, it could be anything it can be pride it, it could be carnality it could be anything. But the point is, the point is that when uh, uh, when we just let this idea germinate within us, it becomes a pulsating living thing, and it takes us into places, organic places, and fluid pr- protein. I, I, you know, I've shared that word with you. I love that word. It's the cell thing, and it just means you. It's it's continually to evolve and change shapes. It's fluid. It goes with us, and that's the way the Lord is with us, isn't it? I mean, everything we do, He doesn't say, oh. You took a right there. I'm over here on the left. He goes right with you. He goes left with you. You know, he, he's continually, whatever choices we make, he's interacting with them. And whatever, wherever we go, he's, he's just always malleable and, and working with us and through us. And this, the, there's this it, energy that I'd like to call plenitude. That's just the word that describes it. But plenitude means fullness. Mm. And it, it is an ancient, it's part of the ancient thinkers would, would say plenitude. It, it's, a, it's more than optimism. Because you know, optimism sees the glass half full. Pessimism sees it half empty. Plenitude, plenitude, it overflows. It, it you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't pretend because an optimist is always pretending it's half full. Plenitude actually sees the eternity in that glass and sees that it's overflowing. So we we, we have and listen. I'm not telling you I'm walking in this all the time, but I know I I I've dipped my toe in it enough to know yeah, that it's, that it's there. And that it changes everything. And when we have a changed perspective and a perspective of light, which is really what the gospel is, it's a perspective of light only in him, which, again, you get back to the gospel, John's thing that he said about it, this is the, this is the message, the gospel, this is the message that we have heard from Jesus from the beginning, and you yep. now preach unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness yep. at all. Yep, and, at all that that's it. But when we have that, when we, that, that is the gospel. That's how John described it. You know? So when we talk about that, then we shouldn't be preaching darkness. And the reason, the reason so many people preach darkness is because they're into dualistic thinking. Well, what about that? If Jesus has come to save us? Well, what about those who don't want to be saved? And what about those who reject? it? Well, the answer is you can't reject it. You can delay it. All you can do is delay it. You can go kicking and screaming and you can delay it. But sooner or later, his beauty is gonna get you. You can't dodge out of it. You can't you can resist it. Go ahead. Take your swing. Go for the fence. Swing as hard as you can in eternity to ignore, to ignore and deny him and the beauty and the relentless perfection that he is. And, they'll and burn off. I mean, just try it and you can't do it. And that, that's why I will never, I will never believe that anyone can outmaneuver God. Ever. You know, you cannot maneuver Jesus. It just can't be done. You can, you know, like I say, you can postpone it or delay it. But so we're just here saying, why delay? What the delay is? Hey, I'm here to, I'm here to share with you about, you know, about uh, things that might be delaying <laughs> your your recognition of your so great at salvation. You know, so it's all a question of 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 how we each person deals with their own. So great a salvation—that's what the gospel is—a revelation. And that's
2: that, salvation. and that's that subjective walk that each one of us—that is unique, that is beautiful, that that is creative, creative, right? I mean, that's what, i you know, if you get in that whole quantum thing, and I'm not going to go there, but that's what brings forth creation itself. That's always on the fringe of that eternity, as it is in heaven, bringing it into actuality. You know, Jesus said, "I only do what I see the Father doing," or it might even be better said what the father has done. Right. (laughs) That's complete. Right. So he was already seeing the finished work of the father and bringing it into Amen, the the infinite now. Right. And we have the same power. I mean, Jesus was pretty clear that we have the same power that if we can tap into that, that, you know, plentitude, that fullness, that overflowing abundance of life, light and love that is always on the threshold, if we have the mustard seed of faith to believe it true and we can draw it into the now and even that must, even,
0: even that mustard seed is a gift even yeah. that speck is a gift you can't muster yeah. it up no and, and
2: and i think that's you know and sometimes that that doesn't mean we are literally i think you know jesus was pretty interesting with his parables and allegories and moving mountains but you know, that mountain that moves may, may be so small in the context of what we conceive, but it has a ripple effect. Mm. You know, it's that butterfly effect, one little flap here, and literally millions of lives are changed somewhere in the in the connectedness of, of this thing that is God and and you know, the unseen God <laughs> to go yeah. back to the Marsville res- reference, yeah. right?
0: I like the Mars last week when you talked about um, uh, the contrast of Paul didn't come in there making a list an apologetics debate of what was wrong with all the other faiths. Somebody else caught that last week and commented and it, that kind of startled us in a way It shouldn't, but just to be reminded and, and focus on that part. Again, sometimes we're trying to convince others of faith. I had somebody text me the other day, Hey, I got a family. that has got all these ideas in their head and I'm, I don't agree with them. And they're going down this nasty track. And I said, you're never going to convince them. You can't don't even address it. You just be loving, be light, be kind. And that's what Paul did. Paul went in, Hey, I'm going to tell you about this. And all he could do was share his story, share the gospel and didn't have to defend, which is yeah. bizarre. We're so set up for defending, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that gets back to that dualistic thought because it's a there's a trigger in it. You know, it's like when 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 somebody I, I don't know about y'all, but I've, I've had this one. Somebody shares a healing, or even when I share healing, somebody's first talk to me. Why didn't they heal me? Why would they heal you? Do you do I not have faith? And we seem to have a trigger reaction in our carnal mind. Why? And whenever we hear a positive, we immediately go negative. And yet, so when we say God is light and only no darkness, it's not talking about, you're not even, it's it's a light that isn't contrasted with darkness. There is no darkness. All right. There's no shadow of turning in Him. So when we preach, you know, Jesus comes and says, Well, I'm here to preach, uh, you know, captivity. I mean, freedom to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Well, are you saying I'm blind? Are you saying this? I mean, you go the opposite way, with it, and our minds just want to go there. They get offended. They get offended at our so great as salvation. All right? Now, I don't have, nor do am I qualified, nor do I want to even bear the responsibility of having all the answers to all the questions about evil. But I know this. Philippians says we're to focus, always focus on whatever things are good, true, praiseworthy, a good report. Think on these things and do not let this dualistic image. Well, if I'm not feeling God's presence today or, or something happens, then I'm now in darkness, you know, and, and uh, I'm under wrath. I mean, all those things are uh, rabbit trails that divert from the beauty of the gospel. You know, because then it would be mixed news. It's not, it's not, what I don't know what the Greek word is for God. You know, I know what it is for Gospels, good news. I mean, gospel means good news, but what is it for very, very dualistic news or very, very black and white news? You know, I'm preaching a salvation. If, if my salvation I'm preaching is only for some of you, ultimately only for some of you, then it's not good news to everyone who hears it and doesn't, doesn't experience it or doesn't recognize it. So anyway, I mean, we need to, I'm not going to the dark spots. I'm not going to explain why darkness here or what it is or what's going to, I mean, you know, some people, even the philosophers believe evil is just just privation. It's just Mm -hmm. an absence of being, you know, And, and I think we don't even need to dwell on that. We just dwell on the goodness of God and that leavens and leavens into our thinking and into our emotions.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. So, How would you sum up this? What is the gospel? compared to what we have heard the gospel to be in a dualistic sense. Do a, like a, Bill, this would be a good one for you <laughs> Um, Because there's a contrast and sometimes people don't understand things until they hear the extreme contrast.
2: Yeah. I mean, just as simply as I could put it, I think Richard nailed it, but just to give it a little more contrast is the message I was taught. And I think the message so many of us have been taught is that God is both light and dark. There's some shadows that we can't understand, and the good news is there is no shadows with God. The shadows that we had in the Old Testament, as Paul says, you know, have been, you know, vanquished in the light of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And, and most perfectly um, displayed, Christ crucified, right? And resurre- resurrected. So, um again i can't go anything more than god looks exactly like jesus and that is the most enlightening literally mindset recognition that we can have and in that the spirit of that same christ who lives in us will start to blossom right and overflow that's those same spiritual attributes that he displayed out of our own being and start to cast out our own shadows of identity of a behavior of anything else, slowly, gently, patiently, right? The, all those good things. He starts to overwhelm our own essence with his own, um, with his own light.
0: Love that. We're gonna do our next conversation on beginning with the motive of the gospel of how we share. So we're gonna we're gonna start the next. Uh, part with that so thank you for being part of this one i look forward to the next conversation and we'll catch you next time that was fun oh man that was that was good i hope you enjoyed that conversation that and we have one more part next week and uh richard and i will finish up that conversation then um i hope this triggered some thinking i hope this expanded uh some of our understanding of what some of these terms mean. I think there's more going on than what we have been told. Um, I value my background. I value the church I grew up in. In fact, for a long time, I didn't. I may, I said, "Oh my goodness, that was so wrong." What I grew up in. I grew up in such great legalism, and I became almost venomous towards that and anyone associated with it. As in, I'm right, they're wrong. And then I realized, wait a minute, that is not the heart of Christ. And I began to see the value. <clears throat> and again, I, I learned a lot of this through the journey of forgiveness for my own mother, which is another show altogether or two. Um, but the idea of uh, acknowledging the good, um, because my my German Baptist background was what God used. That was my path, my journey of how I came to faith. And I love what Paul Young, William Paul Young, author of The Shack, often says he calls them my people <laughs> i thought yeah we're still identifying instead of i'm not part of that group because we do that don't we we'll say oh no i'm nothing like those charismatics oh i'm nothing like those anglicans oh i'm nothing like those catholics and you just you try to separate yourself from them but we're actually connected so maybe we need to not be so quick to create new dualism (laughs) right versus wrong wrong tree tree of the knowledge of good and evil right and wrong we got to stop eating from that tree and and eat from the life tree that's already in us something to ponder that's all but wherever that takes you i think there's much to learn on that and it will change the tone of our discussions and arguments will lessen um, because nobody's fighting to be right and that's a different thing all right, let's say hello to some folks that are watching. Catherine, good morning here in Elmira. Buddy Fisher of Men. Uh, tell me who you are again. I think I think I kind of remember. Is it Indiana you're from? I'm not sure. I, I forget your, your real name. That would be nice to hear, too. Uh, he says dualism is what's taught here in America for the most part. Well, it's taught all around the world, too, because it, it ended up being Americans and Canadians and mission fields and all that stuff that, that just got spread around the world. But it wasn't just there. Other faiths have them too, other denominations. But it's a real hindrance. In fact, Baxter Kruger talks about that. It's the greatest log. I think he said there's two major logs clogging the dam of freedom and life, the river of life. And dualism is one of them, and separation. So uh, yeah, it's a, that's a great conversation. I'll have to find where that conversation is. John Sanders, good morning. Hey, John, where are you located? I've I've seen you on here several times. I just can't remember where where you're at. Um, Howard in Sorrento, BC. Good morning, and Jen Nye. I think you're in Paris, Ontario. Uh, Yeah, this is a great topic. Wait till you hear next week's. If you didn't hear the last two, go back and listen. They're really good. And then next one we we finish up. So I know I called it uh, Evangelism, Myths, and Thoughts, but Really, we talked about Mars Hill. Then we talked about today, what is the gospel? And next week, we continue with that, what saved and and salvation means and all that. I I actually forget what next week will be, but it was such a great conversation. So, all right. I hope you guys have a great week. Um, Join us Sunday morning, uh, Hope Fellowship, uh, a small church here in southern Ontario. Um, We go live every Sunday morning, 9.55 a.m., we got a 10-minute countdown, so you have time to go get your coffee and confirm. Okay, you're in South Carolina, John. That's awesome. Yay. Kevin, Kelvin, good morning. Where are you from? I, I see a flag, but I don't recognize it because uh, I can't Google it fast enough. <laughs> anyway, join us Sunday mornings uh, if you can't join us live. Sunday mornings is different. It's, it's like a, a more of a traditional church setting, but the message is not traditional. I want to give hope, and inspire, uh, and challenge, and question some of the traditional teachings in a safe place, in a to a group of people that are learning and growing. And so, in this thing that we do Wednesday mornings, I can I can go deeper and faster because it's I'm, it's a just a couple people having a dialogue. But on a Sunday, um, it's a slower pace because people need more time to process. More people show up that may not be on the journey yet or are early in the journey and, and still have questions. And we need to be careful to not rush ahead of anyone. And uh, I I love, I love this kind of pastoring, this kind of sharing. And I hope you guys value it too. Um, So anyway, look forward to that. We'll catch you guys next time. Hope you have a great week. See you then.